What's the story, everyone? Welcome back to GA Fan TV. I hope you're all keeping wonderfully well. My name is Aaron. Um, so I'm delighted to be joined here today by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast. We're here to review all the weekend's uh, hurling action. I suppose quite a crazy weekend of hurling action, obviously, across the country, um, across all the, the different divisions. Um, I suppose, first of all, like what was it like to, to have hurling action back for yourself after, I suppose, such a long time away now? It was great, Aaron, and thanks for having me on the podcast again. Era, I suppose, it, it was absolutely brilliant to have it. Like, you know, it's not just soccer that we have. The rugby's well gone. And um, it was great to have hurling, even though some of the games were a bit like challenge games, in all honesty. But it was great to have some sort of hurling back um, in our lives and more games now next weekend. And I can't wait for them. 100%, yeah. I suppose we'll run through uh, Division 1A, I suppose, first of all, and run through some of the games there. Like... With Westmead one sixteen, Galway five thirty four, and um, what was your thoughts on that game? I thought um, it was very one sided, very one sided. Galway were just so good that they like Joe Canning was missing, and the forwards just stepped up. Like some of their forwards weren't that impressive, in honest honesty. Like Connor Whelan, um, Niall Burke was decent. Connor Cooley was very good. They didn't have to be at their best Galway, but the real story here is about Westmead. I think they're kind of out of their depth in Division One. They they're there are merit, of course, but they're the only sides in Division One not in the Labour Party for a reason. They're they're not really supposed to be there. Like Buff Egan was saying something about them. They should be with the likes of Kerry to challenge themselves more. And I'd probably agree with that. I know they have a few players missing, like Angus Clark and Killian Doyle were huge losses for them. But Kieran Doyle, uh, Killian's brother, what a score that was. It was definitely one of the scores of the year already, and we're in week one. Jeez, you'd never see a score like that again. That was um, that was something special, really. But um, as I said, you have Galway, much the better team. And there is questions about Westmead being in Division One overall. Yeah, I suppose you have to feel a little bit sorry for them. I suppose in many ways, like obviously with the with the COVID situation last year, like with the restructuring of the of the league and everything else, like they probably wouldn't have been there, but only for that relegation playoff, which I suppose they won. Yeah, there's two skills at all, really, in my opinion. Like there's one of them where it's like, yeah, fair enough, they they probably shouldn't be there because they're there with you know when you look at Waterford, Galway, Limerick, you know Cork. Uh, Tipperary, you're talking about teams that have you know won all Ireland's, been in all Ireland finals, won provincial titles over the past three to five years. Whereas Westmead, you know, obviously not a, a Lee McCarthy Cup team. They've been close, and look, listen, they deserve to have gotten to Division One A, and they deserve the right to fight it out. But I suppose at the same time, it's probably going to be some grim viewing, like over the next couple of weeks. Like they're probably going to be on the receiving end of some absolute hammerings. You'd have to imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It's very sad to see, all right. And I would have thought Westmead's best bet of a win would probably be against the likes of Cork or Waterford. Well, looking at Cork, we'll move on to them later on, obviously. But looking at Cork yesterday, if Cork played like that against Westmead, like they did against Waterford, the game will be over within 10 or 20 minutes. It's it's a sad reality, really, for Westmead hurling. They are missing some players, as I said, but like, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to get a win. Maybe Watford next week is the main aim for them, but against Nimerick, against Tipperary, against Cork, the way they all performed this weekend, 
I honestly can't see it, Aaron. It is sad to see for Westmead hurling in general. Yeah, I suppose Waterford probably looks the easiest on, on, on paper, but I suppose at the same time, like I'd imagine they'll want to bounce back from, from that Cork defeat. I suppose Galway, though, like, I mean, hitting 534, like, and just looking through some of the scores, like, you had Evan Nyland, who had 13 points, you know, you had Brian Concanon with 1-1, Jarlett Mannion with 1-3, I mean, just a, a serious team altogether, and I suppose they're probably up there anyway with one of the closest teams to potentially stopping Limerick in, in 2021 anyways. Absolutely, and just leaming all those scores, actually, the likes of Jarrod Mannion, Brian Concanon, well, Concanon and Fairless did it last year as well, but all them stepping up, whereas a few years ago, people were just looking towards Joe Canning as the inspiration for Galway, but he was missing, and Galway still racked up a huge score, albeit against Westmead, but you have to play what's in front of you, and Galway definitely did the best they could with what was in front of them. And what I'd say as well, Cahill Mannion midfield uh, showed exactly why Galway missed him in the second half against Nimerick in that semi-final last season. He kind of controlled that game on, on Saturday. And he's one of the most underrated players in the country, actually, Cahill Mannion. I think he's a brilliant hurler. And him, Connor Whelan, Joe Canning, Brian Cuckannon, even the likes of Dahi Burke in the back line, Galway have some serious players and I think they'll definitely be up there with Limerick. Will they beat him is another question, but I think they'll come very close and starting with next weekend's game in the league. Yeah, I suppose that'll be an interesting one, definitely. Like, and I suppose Cork, obviously, a big win for yourselves, 5.22 to, to 1.27. Like, I have to say, like, although Antrim get all the plaudits for the weekend, and, and rightly so, I think Cork were probably the most impressive team. Like, they looked sharper, they looked one step ahead the way they played, the way they worked the ball for a lot of them goals, especially in the second half, and some of the players they brought off the bench as well, like just an overall top-class performance, I suppose, from Cork and, and Kieran Kingston's men. Yeah, it was a bit of fresh air, really, that performance. It, it never really seeded the Cork team in the last three, uh, three to four years. But I've seen a tweet uh, from Dennis Hurley, I think he's from Red FM in Cork here, but... He was saying Cork score, uh, struggled to score five goals in a season in 17 up to 20, never mind in one game. And that is absolutely incredible. And Cork really struggled for goals in both league and championship over the last few years. And it was just really refreshing to see five goals going in. Alan Connolly coming off the bench and scoring two quick fire goals. It was breath of fresh air, as I said. And Shane Barris was excellent yesterday. Patrick Horgan was very good as usual. Uh, Dar Fitzgibbon showed exactly why Cork missed the championship. He controls the game in that midfield department for Cork. And I thought the players coming in were very impressive. Not so much the young players. Nye Cashman's been around the block a few years for the county champions down here at Black Rock. And he was excellent yesterday, I'd have to say. Damien Cahalan at full back had some reservations about him and he was very good. Dead with the likes of Stephen Bennett and Austin Gleeson at times in that game. Uh, Pat Collins coming into goal, first real appearance for Cork, and he actually did absolutely amazing there. So there was positives, but I'd have to stress to my fellow Cork, Corkmen, it's only May, it's not August, it's not our Ireland season yet, but it's a start, it's definitely a start to for things to come. Yeah, and I suppose for Waterford, I suppose, obviously after the, the All-Ireland final last year, I suppose, like, obviously, when you look back through when they've reached All-Ireland Finals before, it's been the next year they haven't really been able to, to follow it up to the same intensity and the same level. And I suppose 
do you think could you see maybe a bit of a hangover coming for Waterford now after last year and I suppose looking at this performance now as well you could definitely envisage it definitely but um, and I'm seeing as well tight the Bork is going to be out for nearly the whole year and you could see yesterday it was such a big loss to the way Waterford play yes Austin Gleeson and Stephen Bennett like last season were outstanding I think Austin Gleeson scored five points yesterday Bennett got a goal and Stephen O'Keefe was a huge miss as well. Like you might just say it's the goalkeeper, but he just controls that full back line for Watford as well as tight the Vorka. And missing two of those players, two experienced, brilliant players in that team, it's huge. It's huge for the morale of that team. And I don't think they'll be that bad this year, but I think they'll beat Clare, for example, in the first round. It looks like the way Clare played against Antrim yesterday. Um, if that's a sign of things to come, but they'll struggle against the likes of Tip, Cork on that kind of form yesterday, and especially Limerick, in my opinion. They definitely won't have a good year as last year, and they will definitely struggle without, as I said, the Borka, O'Keefe, and Jamie Barron was missing yesterday. I don't know, was it an injury or was he just rested? But he needs to come into that team ASAP as well. So, huge improvement needed for Waterford, but it might be a hangover and look at the players missing like the Vork and O'Keefe. It could be a rough year for the Dacia. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, like they did still have Stephen Bennett who hit 112 like, and he was still, you know, top class like last year. He kind of carried on that form. So I suppose with Waterford we'll have to, to wait and see. Obviously playing Westmead next time out, that'll probably be, a, you know, what you'd have to imagine a, a nice victory for them to, I suppose, boost up the confidence and everything else. I suppose Limerick and Tip drawn 20 points apiece. I mean... I suppose this was almost like shadow boxing, I suppose, in many ways. Like we probably didn't see the best of either team and the intensity levels that we'd usually probably associate with Limerick and Tip certainly probably wasn't on show on that day anyways. Definitely wasn't, no, but uh, Tip were missing a few players like uh, Bubbles O'Dwyer and Seamus Cannon. It wasn't their strongest side, but I'll have to command uh, Tip's aggression towards the game. They were They put it up to Limerick. But having said that, Limerick, yes, they put out a second side. I thought they did, would have done much better, to be honest. Like the likes of David Dempsey, Adrian Breen have been on the fringes for years and got their chances. In fairness, Adrian Breen popped up uh, tr- with three scores and did absolutely brilliant. And uh, well, Connor Boylan and David Dempsey, a few of those players, kind of struggled for Limerick. And it was when Hagerty, Lynch, and Peter Casey came on, they definitely. Um, put it up a notch and started to put it up more to tip but yeah it was 8 points apiece in the second half I don't think Tipperary scored from play in the second half despite what the pundits may say that tip deserved us so yeah I t- I, in the end I thought a draw was a fair result but it'll do wonders for tip's confidence just putting up to Limerick in that kind of that kind of game I think the best will come from Limerick in the next few weeks, though. Probably won't be next week against Galway. I think they're taking a bit of a break after their brilliant season from last season. Let's not forget they were all beaten in league, in preseason, in championship. It was absolutely unbelievable form from them. And they're just taking it easy for a while. Maybe another draw next weekend to ease into the league. And don't you worry, like in week four, week five, they'll be bang up to it again. Yeah, I suppose you don't want to peak now, obviously, too early, like especially in the in the first, you know, couple of weeks, first couple of games. And 
Yeah, I suppose with, with, with Limerick, like the fact that they managed to, I suppose, preserve that unbeaten record and I suppose like level it late on and kind of fight back like they did in the final, you know, five to ten minutes. I think it definitely showed a, a lot of tenacity, I suppose, from themselves. I suppose like one weakness I probably would associate with Limerick and it even goes back to the 2019 semi-final against Kilkenny. I think they give away a lot of city frees at times and I think they did that in the Tipperary game. I think there was like 17 to 18 frees, I think, in total. And Tipperary probably didn't even finish them all despite Jason Ford hitting 14 points. Like, would you would you even look at that as a weakness yourself, do you think? Or would you even disagree with me? Well, last season, it didn't seem a problem for Limerick. I thought they were the most aggressive side, but maybe we'll get onto this later. The ruling, like the advantage, I think, won't do any favours for Limerick whatsoever because the advantage will be stopped, obviously, and the freeze will be given, like... The aggression's kind of taken out of the game, and I think that will do no good to Limerick whatsoever. That could be a weakness that others can exploit, but as much as I want Limerick to fail, you know, I don't want the same winner two years in a row, for example, but this isn't the way to do it. I think Hurling should be a free-flowing game. It shouldn't be stop-start like it most of the game war- games were over the weekend, especially Limerick and Tip. And I don't think it's the right way to do it, I, I think they didn't struggle last year because, you know, the advantage was there. And, you know, it, it as I said, it will do no wonders to Limerick having that amount of freeze given against them. And in fairness, it won't do any wonders to the team and the advantage as well. Like we see a few examples of that where um, a player pucks it over the bar and the referee brings it back for free and the resulting free the player actually misses it. So there's no advantage. I mean, that has to be rectified, I think, in the coming weeks. But honestly, seeing the League Sunday comments from Shane Dowling and Don Logue last night, I, I can't see it being rectified in all honesty. Yeah, I suppose it's an interesting one that the why they decided to change it because they, like, especially with Hurling anyways, I didn't really see anything wrong in all honesty. Like, I understand why they brought in the sin bin, but... Yeah, it is a, it is an interesting one, and with the water breaks as well. Like obviously, they still have water breaks there. I'm not too sure why they still have water breaks. In all honesty, probably should have cut them out at this stage, anyways. But I suppose, like in general, like I suppose looking at that game in particular, like could you could you envision now that's kind of how Hurland's going to go now over the next probably couple of years that it is going to be stop started, or do you think they will maybe pull the plug and maybe make some changes in the next couple of weeks? I think it'll definitely be there for this year because you just can't change what you stated at the start of the year, but hopefully it'll be rectified next year. Like you've seen managers come out, Davy Fitzgerald being a main example, even before the weekend's action, coming out on RT News saying, this will just ruin the game and hurling, just stop starts. Like there was a game last year, I think involved Davies Wexford against Dublin and the game had what? Was it 45 freeze or something? It was incredible and it was so stop start it was annoying for fans in all honesty like it's the things brought into hurling not just the freeze but i think the lighter slitter as well the the yellow slitter as you say the water breaks correctly as well it's i could see why they were brought in at the end of last year to reduce the impact of disease of covid19 but now i think we have a grasp of um the vac the vaccine program now i cannot see why the water breaks there to be honest it's you know, it it takes the fun out of it. And I think there'll be a lot, once fans get back into the stadium, of course, I think there'll be a lot of fans 
wanting to watch something against maybe football, maybe football will um will rise a small bit over the hurling in, in the future. But as I said with hurling, it's it's only gonna go one way if the rules keep changing and the fans are just not gonna enjoy it in future, I don't I don't think anyway. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you there. Like, I think there's there's definitely been too many changes. I think across the GA really over the past couple of years, even on football as well, with a lot of changes there. And sometimes you just have to wonder why they're making the changes. Considering I don't really, like, especially in hurling, anyways, it never really felt the need. I think the game was in a great place. Looking at last year and and the year before as well, when you look at some of the great games we had. So, hopefully, anyway, we can we can still see some great games, but it'll be it'll be hard to know. I suppose moving on to Division 1B, um, I suppose only one, one place to start really with that win for Antrim, 121 to, to 22 points against Clare. I suppose what a win in performance. Uh, I know it's only the league, but still a, a special win for Antrim in many ways. Yeah, and they ripped the wars out of Dunlow, Cusack's mouth. Definitely, um, <laughs> definitely. But, but um, yeah, 100%. yeah, it was... Uh, go on. No, no, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, I was, I was just saying, yeah, don't know. It was very harsh on Antrim last year, and maybe the Antrim hurlers took that personally. Like I had Noel McKenna on the podcast, and he was just saying they don't listen to pundits; they do what they need to do, and they just want to improve year on year. And Antrim yesterday were just aggressive towards Clare. They were, they were in their face, and Neil McManus added that extra quality. Like one of his scores, I think, to make us uh, twenty-two points to. 121 like that was an unbelievable score I think Buff Egan put that up as well and it drove Antrim on and you look at players like Kieran Clark uh, Owen Campbell from wing back brilliant Keenan Malloy my man the match was outstanding Noel McKenna even though he didn't score was aggressive throughout James McNaughton Kieran Clark who scored 111 in that game like the whole Antrim team did absolutely outstanding in that game and I honestly think the the pitch played an advantage to Antrim. It was kind of a, it was a worse pitch than the likes of Casement Park and it wasn't comfortable for Clare to play on. And of course, credit has to go to Darren Gleeson. Like he's a definite up and coming manager in the hurling world and Antrim will improve, no doubt about that. I think they'll stay up in Division 1B. I think they'll cause the likes of Dublin problems. Like we'll talk about Dublin later on and definitely Leash. I think Leash have gone a bit back as well. So I think maybe thirds or possibly seconds to Kilkenny is a realistic game for Antrim and best of luck to them they're absolutely brilliant side to watch yeah 100% like even even when you look through the the tallies that they they racked up in um in the Joe McDonough last year like they think they'd be they hit 425 against Westmead and you know I think they hit like 230 against Kerry I mean they're a solid team altogether like even with Conor McCann Noel McKenna you know, and Neil McManus coming in, like he wasn't even in the Joe McDonough Cup campaign last year until he came off the bench in the final. And yeah, at that point that you were talking about at the end where he just sells David Reedy, I think, the dummy and then pops it over from inside his own half. I mean, like when you have players like that, like, you, it, it, I mean, who knows? Like you, you were saying there, they might easily beat Dublin. Like they could they could easily beat Dublin and Leinster as well. Um, And, that, you know, we could see a repeat of 2010 again. Like they've, they're, they're definitely moving in the right direction at the moment anyways. Definitely, yeah, and um, they could definitely beat Dublin. You've seen what happened in 2010, even when Dublin were bringing young players that time, and they had the belief that the belief has always been there in Antrim Hurley. They're passionate up there, and 
Yeah, they could definitely beat Dublin. They could definitely beat Leash and Wexford as well. I think Wexford had a good win yesterday, but it's a realistic game for Antrim. And even sides in Munster, maybe Watford, maybe even Cork on a bad day. Like Antrim will be no pushovers in the Liam McCarthy Cup. I think they're a very good side and they're definitely deserved a victory yesterday and deserve to be in the Liam McCarthy. As you mentioned, the Joe McDonough Cup, they hammered most sides. Maybe it gets carried the underperform, but maybe it was just the pressure from uh, Antrim players and the fact they couldn't really go on without Steve McManus. He came on towards the end and kind of saved them in that Joe McDonough Cup final. And yeah, there'd be a huge threat to anybody in the championship. Well, I think Limerick, Galway and potentially maybe Kilkenny are a bit ahead of them, yes. But I think any other team, they'll definitely give them a game. If they lose, I think it'll be maybe a point or two in it. Yeah, and I suppose obviously a lot of criticism uh, kind of went the way of Clare. I suppose obviously it's a four-hour journey from from Clare to to Antrim. Like it is quite a journey, I suppose, in the first game out. And I suppose it is the league. It, you know, they are effectively challenge matches in many ways. Like obviously, like with the fact that it's been so short notice with the return. Like, what have you made of some of the the criticism of Clare? And would you even be worried for them maybe now going forward in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I thought it was a bit unfair, the criticism. Like you've seen with uh, Colin Ryan, I think, came out with a tweet after the game. It's It was it was unheard of, really, the comments made. And the fact they played John Condon centre-back, they were trying new things. And I think the criticism was so unfair on the likes of Brian Lowe. It's his second year in charge. Look, it's a working progress. But I do think Claire kind of a one-man team. Tony Kelly was outstanding yesterday, but... Tony Kelly can't keep saving Clare, but in fairness, a few players stepped up in the championship last year. People may forget Cahill Malone averaged, I think it was, what, three points a game in the championship. Aaron Shanahar was, wasn't that good now yesterday, but he was decent in the championship. Shane O'Donnell definitely has quality. There is quality in that Clare team, but obviously the factor has to come in, the four-hour journey, as you mentioned, and especially, it's not on a bus where they are kept each other company, etc. It's up in cars where they're alone going up to Antrim. It's a daunting task. And going up to a, a kind of a, a terrible pitch as well in Cargill Park, the Clare players might, might have been used with that much. And take nothing away from Antrim. Antrim are a decent side. And, but the way people were going on about um, Clare... Uh, seeing it was a disgrace and all that, you kind of think they were belittling Antrim. But in all honesty, Antrim deserved a victory and applause should go to them more than criticism should go to Clare, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there as well. Like, I think with, with Clare, like, obviously, they, they probably were probably a bit over-reliant on, on Tony Kelly last year. Like, he was in, you know, hurler of the year form and in many ways last year. They probably will need to get a bit more from maybe the likes of Aaron Shanahan and, and Shane O'Donnell and, and a few of the other lads. Um but yeah, it's too early to tell. Like it's the first it's the first game out and, and there's certainly still a, a long way to go for Clare and I suppose for Antrim as well. I suppose Wexford they they had a huge win over over Leash, four seventeen to, to ten points. I suppose we were kinda of alluding to it there earlier. Like it looks like it's gonna be a, a tough year, I think, for Leash in uh, in many ways. Yeah, unfortunately it is. Um, I think Eddie Brennan going going out of leash, uh, Colin Parkinson did no favours to leash hurling there, but 
Yeah, I, I think they were kind of a one-season wonder 2019. They actually did well enough in 2020. They challenged Clare a small bit. And Dublin appeared that game. They actually did decent there as well. They do have decent players like Paddy Purcell, Jack Kelly in the role of the goalkeeper. Absolutely brilliant players. But yeah, I think the likes of Antrim have developed more. And that'll be kind of a disadvantage to Leash. It's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. It was actually the one game I didn't watch, but I was looking at the stats from an app yesterday and I think their free taker scored seven points out of the possible ten. Like That was kind of shocking, even on the first day out. And that needs to be rectified in the future, but will they beat Antrim on the farm against Clare or a Dublin even, or even a Kilkenny? I, I can't see it, honestly. I think they could beat Westmead. It'll be very close. Like Westmead actually went down with some bit of dignity against uh, Galway, who were all our challengers, of course. Leash, on the other hand, didn't so much against Wexford. And I think, it, as you say, it will be a very, very tough year for Leash. And it's unfortunate, really, after the year they had in 2019, especially. Yeah, and I suppose under Eddie Brennan, they're always very well organised defensively. Like I think that was one of the main reasons how they upset Dublin in the, in that 2019 game, and and yesterday in particular against the Wexford side, who probably like especially last year anyway, probably weren't known for you know their their attacking sort of output really. And we seen you know Rory O'Connor with that brilliant goal, um, late in the second half. Like, would you see? Could you see Wexford returning to that 2019 form even? Um, you know, it's probably going to be Davy Fitz's last year, like depending on what happens. Like, I suppose Wexford are probably going to want to, I suppose, go all out now for potentially his last year in the in the managerial hot seat. Yeah, definitely. Like Davy is an unbelievable manager and deserves all the plaudits he gets. But I think Wexford should be doing a lot better, especially in the last few years. Granted, they did win a Leinster title in twenty nineteen, deservedly so. But they've won countless minor titles, under 20 titles. And you think this is the time for Wexford to stamp their authority in the championship. There were signs yesterday, albeit against the Leash team, lacking confidence and belief. We'll see now next week against Clare how Wexford perform. But the signs are there. Rory O'Connor, as you say, was brilliant yesterday. Lee Chin coming off the bench, scoring three points was very good. And yeah, bringing new players as well. Like, I'm sure, I forget his name now, but he was a forward and he's converted as a goalkeeper. That'll definitely do well for um, the Wexford team's confidence as well. And they have a few players at the bench that they could bring on as well. Youngsters like Ross Banville wasn't in the match squad yesterday. He's a player definitely to watch this year. I think it's, the, it's definitely the year where Wexford have to stamp their authority if they're going to come close to an All-Ireland's at all in the next few years yeah it does feel a bit like now or never really for for wexford um and i don't know i feel like maybe they probably benefit more maybe from a round robin system i don't know if the the knockout kind of really suits them but i suppose we'll move on from that anyway and, and dublin and kilkenny kilkenny winning 120 to 18 points at parnell park i suppose not a lot really went on in this game like not really much quality really between both sides but i suppose for kilkenny like dara corcoran looks very bright uh, in that Kilkenny side and I suppose they played a little different to usual as well so I suppose a good a good win for them good win yeah it sets up more confidence for that Kilkenny team and more players came to the free as you said uh, Dark Harkin was outstanding James Bergen in his first appearance was very good Martin Keown or Mossy Keown as he likes to be called 
was absolutely brilliant, won four, and he was a menace for the Dublin defence all day long. He was brilliant last year, but he stepped it up a notch now this year, and they need more players other than the likes of TJ Reid and potentially Richie Hogan to drag them out of holes. And yeah, I think it's it's positive for Kilkenny that game moving forward, but it did look like a challenge game. I think you commented on my stats in that game. It did look like a challenge game in all honesty, and there wasn't really any drive. There was a lot of mistakes in the games. Like I think Donald Burke and TJ Reid missed a lot of frees between them. Look, it was it was progress for Kilkenny. They'll move on to next week now and against Antrim and hopefully get two wins on the board there. But as I said, it was like a challenge game. It, it was hard really to judge either side, in my opinion. Yeah, I suppose from a Dublin point of view anyway, just we, we seemed, I don't know, too one-dimensional in in my in my opinion, anyways. Like we seemed we I think we stumbled across playing long balls into Eamon Dillon in the Kilkenny game last year um, in the second half and it did cause a lot of havoc when we, we put him at the edge of the square and then you Donald Burke kind of peeling off the edges but we tried the same tactics against Cork, it didn't work and we've tried the same thing again against Kilkenny in this game and I think Matty Kenny is the right manager for Dublin because of what he done with Kula. Like I don't really think there's anyone else really out there at the moment that should be the manager but yeah, it's it's hard to know with Dublin because we do have good defenders, but it just seems to be the attack at the moment that seems to be the problem. Like when you take Donald Burke out of the equation, Danny Sutcliffe has has been a great hurler for Dublin the past couple of years, but he probably is aging quite a bit. So, I mean, it's I don't know. It's hard to see where where Dublin are going to get the the forwards in the next um couple of years, anyways. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, about Danny Sutcliffe, yes, he might be past his prime a small bit. His prime was 2013, or it was eight years ago. Um, let's put it the context, but he did score an outstanding point. He is capable of some amazing moments in the Dublin shirts, as we've seen to this spin and score against Kilkenny on Saturday. Like they are capable of them type of moments, but as you said on another podcast of your own, a bit like the car hurlers in recent years. Maybe it's time for the Dublin hur- some of them Dublin hurlers to step down and let the likes of Owen O'Donnell, Donald Burke, uh, Oshin O'Rourke, another one, Ronan Hayes, who actually played decent enough against Kilkenny, to step into the fray. Like Liam Rush is another one. He got sent off the other day. He was okay up until the last few minutes, but you could see a bit of tired legs um, play- playing into it and got sent off for basically losing his man. And... That will do no good for Dublin. I think they need to bring in more players. Maybe put Danny Sutcliffe and Liam Rush on the bench. Maybe they can in, make an impact towards the end of the game. But putting their the fate in them for 70 minutes, I don't think it's that sustainable for Dublin hurling in the long run, in my opinion. Yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll have to see how it, how it goes, obviously, like with, with Dublin. But certainly, the, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement anyway. They do have plenty of talent in there. They just need to, I suppose, put the pieces together. I suppose just looking through some of the other score lines just from um, Division 2A and, and 2B as well. Obviously, you know, there was no highlights in the Sunday game or anything like that. So I presume, just like, like myself, you probably didn't see anything. But I suppose for Offaly, like, that was a, a great win for them. They beat Mead 325 to 3-9 with Owen Cattle, I think, scoring 12 points. I suppose for Offaly, like, you know, they're obviously third tier hurling, like their Christy Ring Cup team at the moment. And Mead were a Joe McDonough Cup team last year. So... I suppose that's a, a good win for Offaly anyways. Yeah, it was a very impressive win for Offaly. And the last few years, these type of games, Offaly don't win going on the road. Like, Park Talton's a tough place to go for them. 
And with the likes of Mickey Burke coming in for Mead, might have strengthened their cause for winning the game. But awfully, my God, 325 in that game. It was incredible to see. And maybe awfully hurlings on the rise again. Like you've seen their young sides against the likes of Dublin and Kilkenny put it up to them in under 20 and minor level. And with Mick Finley as their manager, legend for Kilkenny, of course, maybe the signs are there for Offaly Hurling. And Shea Dooley actually started the bench yesterday, which I was surprised to see. But maybe that's a sign that young Offaly players are coming through the ranks. And it could only do good for Offaly, like Liam Langton, Owen Cahill played very well yesterday. And yeah, they definitely have very good young players. And we need Offaly back at this stage again, because Offaly are a historic hurling county. And who knows, even you look at Shane Lowry coming in, funding Offaly G in both football and hurling. Maybe the sun's on the horizon for Offaly hurling. I definitely hope so anyway, because we definitely need them back at the top table in the Liam McCarthy Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think, yeah, and they've Cahill Coyley as well, who's a very good uh, young lad coming through at the moment as well. I suppose for Kerry, that was a big win for them as well against Down. Um, I didn't see. I I know Kerry are a very good side and and all that, but I didn't see them beating Down this convincingly. Anyway, four eighteen to nineteen points, and uh, Shane Nolan in midfield scoring one six. I suppose uh, a very comprehensive win that for 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 the Kerry hurlers. Very very comprehensive, yeah, and especially I think they were down at half time by a few, and then they just rocketed in the goals in the second half. And Shane Nolan is another player. I he's definitely one to watch. The fact that Shane Conway, I think, started at the bench. Correct me if I'm wrong, no, but I think he started at the bench yesterday. And that just shows the abundance of talent that Kerry have at that particular level in hurling. And um, yeah, it's a tough one to take for down. I think they had a rise after their win against Offaly last year. Then they went low again after the loss against Kildare, but. Yeah, it's an even bigger low to get back up from uh, that result yesterday against Kerry. But yeah, I think Kerry will be definitely good coming down the line, especially if more players like Shane Nolan, as you say, or Mikey Boyle definitely step up other than Shane Conway. Because there's definitely, judging by that result and judging by some of the performances in the Joe McDonough Cup final and Joe McDonough fixtures before that, there's definitely some very good up-and-coming hurlers in Kerry and Things to be excited for for the kingdom. Absolutely, yeah. Like, like definitely. Like, I suppose getting to Crow Park last year as well. Like getting that experience. And I know Mikey Boyle was talking about Morris O'Connor on my podcast. Like, and he ended up scoring two goals against Down. So definitely, um, plenty of talent coming through Kerry at the moment. And um, yeah, like I, I'm not sure about with the John McDonough Cup yet. Like, I, I, I look at Carlo and I still think they have the potential to to get promoted there. But I suppose Wicklow put it up to them in that game with 17 points. I suppose another um, kind of, you know, interesting, I suppose, game was obviously Mayo beating Derry 21 points to 116. You had Keith Higgins coming in there as captain, hitting three points. I suppose a big win for Mayo because I, I would have considered Derry probably as the favourites in uh, in Division 2B. Yeah, I kind of would have as well, but... Um... Mayo have uh, good hurlers coming through over the last few years. Like, as you say, Key Higgins is a brilliant hurler, scoring three points and captaining the side. That'll only go, do good for the Mayo players' confidence, having an idol like that beside them. And as for Derry, it's kind of a weird one. They actually have some very good hurlers, as seen from Schlachtin's success in the club hurling championship, the likes of Cormac O'Darty. And I think lads like Christy McKay stepping away from the hurling, that's 
does no good to their confidence. He's definitely was a leader for them, and it's it's not good for Derry Hurling. But yet again, it was only a two point defeat. It's not the end of the world. It was a long trip to McHale Park. It was a good win for Mayo, and onwards and upwards for Keith for Keith Higgins Mayo team. 100% yeah it was definitely a huge win for them alright to, to beat Derry I suppose by, by two points and yeah I suppose definitely a, a load of action anyway across the whole the whole hurling board anyway like great to great to see the action back great to see the games back and um, yeah I suppose cheers for coming on Matthew anyway where can uh, people find you if they're looking for I suppose stats on the games or looking to, to listen to any of your podcasts or anything like that I'm on regularly on Instagram, uh, sometimes on Twitter now, gaining a few followers there and posting continuous stats after games. And the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. will be starting soon now. I'm planning a few guests now that I've finished college assignments. So, yeah, basically Google, Apple, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or maybe even TikTok as well. I'll do a few predictions on that as well. So, dim platforms, you can follow GA Statsman there. Great stuff, Matthew. Well, look, listen, cheers for coming on anyways. Thanks very much, Aaron. Much appreciated.